might think your pitch is really nasty and dirty and everything else, but if guys can spit on it or guys take good swings at it all the time, it's really not that good. all right welcome back to another episode of champion school uh my name is ray mcintyre joined as always bzb let's go we are discussing today all things leadership mindset. Still don't have an intro, but <laughs> we do have head coach uh, from Montana State Billings, Coach Derek Waddups, uh, who I believe I might have met at a certain point, but first time talking <laughs> to him in a while. But uh, great leadership mind, awesome dude. He's entering his third year at Salt Lake City, or no, came out of Salt Lake City Community College, uh, where he was at for 12 years. Now he's at Montana State Billings. Um, so awesome. Excited for him. Uh, but before we get into that, how are you doing? Doing good, right? We're having a great day, man. We got some exciting news coming soon and just some really good things in the works, man. So we're excited. I'm pumped for this one, man. I had a good, uh, good conversation with coach a couple of weeks ago and that's what kind of sparked the podcast idea. I was like, man, this dude would just spit some flames on here with some leadership and mindset. So I can't wait to see what we get into today. That's right. Uh, some personal news coming out by the time I think you guys hear this. Uh, I have, uh, some personal news. So stay tuned for that. <laughs> we will talk about it at a later date. Um, other than that, let's get in. We're going to go right into this. Good news of the week. Uh, good news of the week. Number one smells like playoffs. Ooh. Playoff, playoff, playoff. Smell that? <laughs> you can smell the dirt. Yeah, game. man. Okay. And so biggest, big news, really the good news. Uh, Mariners, have you been watching? Watched last night. I watched them versus the Did A's. Uh, oh, our good friend baby. Seth Brown hit a three-run tank early in the game. And then I see Ty France. So I've been playing against Ty for a while. Like laser through the dude's legs, breaks it up. And then Mitch Hanniger, another lost D-back, of course, hits his 39th or some home run to left yeah. field to, to put him ahead. So, man, the, the magic is in the M's, man. I did not expect that. But they're playing well together, man. They have a good mentality. And it's crazy because their mental skill department is one of the best in the entire major leagues. And you can see it showing up on the field consistently with those guys yeah shout out uh jimmy van ostrand originally with them he got he's over with the uh blue jays now but um yeah dude the m's are a game and a half back of the second wild card spot i think they're neck and neck with the a's right now i think the red sox uh are another team in that mix uh now here's the kicker right this the red sox uh are playing the orioles 50 uh. game winners uh and for two of those games uh, the Mariners had the A's and I don't know who they round out with, but this is the literally the second or third time in 20 years since the draft has started for the M's that they're even in this position right now with five games to go. Wow. How wild is what? that? Did not yeah. know that. Did not know that. Jeff Passan, shout out. You know, that guy's, that guy's, he, he does mad research by the way on into some of these stories, but uh, yeah, there's a, there's some weird scenario where literally I think the Mariners, uh, the Red Sox and potentially the Yankees would all be in a three-way tie for that last spot. I so, hope it happens. <laughs> I'm praying for it to happen, man. Who knows? <laughs> what do you do? That'd be interesting. It's like, it, it, yeah. How do you pick one? Like, does it go down to run run differential? What does it go down to whip? Does it go down to overall? Like, it should be head to head. But if they're all tied, then who gets the head to head? I don't know. That's right. If it's a three-way, like how? And then how, what do you can't play an extra game? Like you, cause you need, you need to have to like round Robin style. Like that's weird, a weird, weird situation. I, that's, that's hope for it, man. That's hope for it. <laughs> Just yeah, to see what happens. Lost. I don't know. Makes like it exciting. Yeah, yeah. I'm big on it. Postseason <laughs> baseball. Uh, number two, uh, this is a story I read this morning. Really cool. Uh, a dude named Woody Faircloth. Um, now in California, there's been crazy wildfires for all summer. Uh, we're kind of out of it now a little bit. Um, and into that Nevada area, Lake Tahoe, uh, our favorite place, really. Um, but there's been crazy fires, and a lot of people have had to up and move. Uh, well, Woody Faircloth here is from Colorado. He has a uh, company, emergencyrv.org. They are connecting people that have lost homes in California with people that are willing to donate their personal RVs and letting them use it 
and he's connected up to 95 families, giving them homes to live over the last wow. couple months. Yeah, you know, him and his, his, I think, eight-year-old daughter that are just teaming up and, and making things happen for good people. So uh, thoughts on that? You're, you're in disbelief. I love it. Yeah, I love this. It's such a cool concept and great idea. It's fun to see people helping people that are in need and then seeing those fires, man. We, we saw them going through Nevada this summer. And obviously with you living in Northern California, you got a good glimpse of the smoke regularly. Yeah. And uh, for me, I was just taken away, man. Reno looked like a ghost town. It was, it was scary to see what it looked like up there. And for all the families that lost their homes, we know plenty of families that got evacuated or, or their cabins were burnt down or their normal home you know there's so many people that have lost so much through a time like that and to see somebody from outside of that area go in to help to lean in and to be that that support group is so amazing so 95 families and counting that is incredible i love that that is awesome great news shout out to you mr faircloth uh yes you know just people like that making things happen uh and helping people out like you said is 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 key everybody doing their part so awesome uh Let's move into this week's Zen. All right, this week's Zen. Uh, I wanted to get into with you morning routines. We talk a lot about routines. Routines obviously are, are vitally important for success and consistency. Uh, but I, I, not exactly what a morning routine is. I want to dive into what yours is. I want the people mm-hmm. to get a feel for, uh, the morning of BZB and, and how that goes and, and what you do that, that benefits you and some things that you could maybe even improve on. Yeah. I think the improved one is easy at the snooze button. <laughs> that's, that's an easy one. I could get I better at that. <laughs> hey, I could get better at it. Uh, I, I'm one to snooze. I, I move my phone into the kitchen now, so I have to get up but there's some times where I get up and then I get back down. <laughs> so uh, I should probably just keep walking around. I know I need to work on it. Okay, I got it. And um, so that's one thing that I should definitely improve on and, and can help. And when I do do it well, I feel way better. So I might as well just keep doing that. Uh, the other things though that are that go out uh, unwavering is cold shower first thing. I always get in the cold shower. It challenges me. It gets me focusing on my breath. And it also just shocks my system a little bit. It gets me kind of juice for the day. I just love the cold shower. Cold water therapy is very powerful. And um, there's so many scientific benefits to it. But for me, the psychological benefits of just awareness and being ready to go. Um, I joke around with my fiance. It's like I, I'm cranky, cranky, cranky. Then I get in the cold shower and I'm like wide awake, ready to go. It's, it's this big night and day difference. So even midday, sometimes I'll take a cold shower if needed, you know, just to wake up and, and refresh. And then meditation, right into the meditation right after that. No break. Um, go right into meditation, sit there for 10 minutes, breathe, focus on my breathing, just kind of uh, engage my surroundings and, and everything like that. And that's been a huge part too, just to clear my mind, get it settled for the day. I can really notice when I don't use it. I'm more rattled. I get more ping pong brained. I'm more scattered and I have a lot more anxiety when I don't do meditation. So that's been a huge thing to help combat anxiety and just to be able to be mentally clear throughout the day, uh, starting the day with that. Um, And then the last thing is getting in the word, right? Getting in the Bible for me. I love getting in the Bible. Sets me with truth. It's not news. It's not politics. It's not Twitter feed. It's straight up truth that is in there from years ago. And so that's been something that's big for me. It's been a staple in my life. I'm big in the faith and it just kind of helps focus my thoughts on what's real, focus my thoughts on something that's higher than me and bigger purpose than me. And it always gives me good wisdom, man. Every time I get in the word, I find new wisdom. I find new things that God's speaking to me. So that's been big. It's been a big staple. And then usually I'll work out. Sometimes it kind of changes now. Um, I've been kind of just using the mornings to chill out for a second to kind of grasp myself before the day starts. Um, before it kind of shifts around, right? Summertime, we're more morning stuff. So we're getting up and going. Um, fall and, and, and winter time is more of evening things that we're doing. So kind of moves around. So I usually work out in the morning. If I don't get it in the morning, I get it sometime midday. Usually, at least I try to, um, but something I've incorporated now, Ray, is a little gratitude walk. So going out nice. there and uh, now that the weather's changing here, it's, it's a lot nicer out here in Arizona, go on a nice little walk, 15 to 25 minutes or so, and just walk around the complex, man, just be able to gather myself, think about the things I'm grateful for, say them out loud sometimes if I need to. And it just really kind of just sets my day off, uh, humbles me big time and, and allows me to be more present. So that's been another thing that's helped me in the morning. Yeah, I've, uh, actually, the gratitude walk, uh, my wife, <laughs> nice, my wife uh, <laughs> told me I needed to start getting up and getting out of the house. I was, uh, there was like, 
a two week span there where I was starting Project Sandlot and I literally didn't leave this room for anything but the bathroom and food. Like it was, I was going and my wife was like, you need to get up and go. Like you're getting cranky. Like you're, you know, you're not yourself right now. Like, so get up and go. And do you need a Snickers bar? That, I was thinking <laughs> about that right there. Yep. Uh, but yeah, I just, uh, started doing that too. And, and literally just not bringing the phone and completely checking out because like, I've heard like you need serotonin breaks, you know, like mm. our, our body gets that, that instant gratification from reading a text or hearing the phone go off because we, you know, the naturally feel wanted or whatever, you know, but we need to shut that off and get out for some time so that when we do come back, all those little things, you know, seeing a family member or getting a text that matters, right. Like matters to you. And, and it's not that consistent, like drip of, um, almost like ads in your face, right? Like I, I need a break to actually see some of those things, you know? So, yes, yes. We get marketed to a lot, man. We get marketed to all day. Even we might not even know it. I mean, I'm marketed right now with the MLB sign back here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like it's a form of marketing, right? And it's like, we have so many things hitting us at all angles all day long. And a lot of us don't know how to handle, right? It's really hard to handle that. So just doing things to set your day off on the right foot. I mean, to be the best you can be for the others that, that you have in your life is so powerful. Yeah, now would be a great time to make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel <laughs> and check out Major League University slash merch. Uh, get the merch, get the merch. <laughs> <laughs> anyways, uh, this week, Coach Derek Waddups, uh, like we said, spent 12 years at Salt Lake Community College. Um, I, I will find out if I actually spoke with this man <laughs> or not. Um, and he developed the No Greater Heroes uh, leadership program for student athletes. Uh, he's going to get into all that. He's a great dude uh, and very knowledgeable guy, right? He's over at Montana State Billings now as the head coach, third year entering his third season. So uh, we're fired up to break it down. Uh, what do you got on coach? Dude, just such a fire conversation with him off air a while ago. And uh, from that conversation, there were so many good truths, man. I just sat and listened. I just wanted to listen in and, and hear his philosophy and, and how he incorporates mental skill training to his program right now, how he incorporates his leadership philosophy with his guys and how he just really encompasses all the things that he's about. He's big into his faith too. And so hearing that's been awesome. And I'm just excited to hear some of the different philosophies that he has and for our people and our audience to really get in and to dive into who this guy is, man, and, and the power that he has and just that mindset aspect and how it can change your life. Uh, it's been really cool to see that so i'm excited man i'm fired up for this one he's gonna bring the juice and we can't wait that's right without further ado coach waddups dun, dun, dun. what's going on guys uh welcome to another episode of champion school we have coach waddups here we are fired up man um coach Welcome to the show, man. We're excited to have you. How are you doing this morning? No, life's great, man. I'm, I'm excited to be a part of it. Um, I'm a big believer in mental skills, so anything I can learn and share and help people out in the game of baseball, but in life as well, it's always exciting. Oh, this is so awesome, man. And so a little background for, for the people listening in here today is uh, talking with Coach probably a couple of weeks ago or so. I um, got connected through a good good friend, actually the guy who recruited me to Nevada, Coach Fatenhauer over at Dixie State. And um, it's just such a great conversation. I told Coach Ray here before this, I just sat and listened and just absorbed. I'm writing notes. I got like six sticky notes down here of, of things that I'm taking away. And I'm like, man, we need to have you on our show and get this out to more coaches, families, parents, et cetera. So um, we're pumped up about it, Coach. But kind of fill us in on your background, man. I know you spent 12 years at Salt Lake. He's, he's entering the third year here at Billings and um, kind of been all over there with your coaching career and leadership philosophies, but, but really what got you into coaching? What's your story of, of taking that next leap into the coaching side of things? You know, even when I was a player, I was a catcher. Um, I really enjoyed like the coaching aspect of it, kind of the leadership elements of it. Um, you know, and so I always kind of thought I would coach even when I, even when I was playing. Um, it's just kind of what I wanted to do. It's in my blood. You know, I grew up working recreation jobs because I didn't like working real jobs. I mean, if you want to call it that, it's hard work, but I wanted to be on the ball field. Um, I played at Bellevue University in Omaha, Nebraska under Mike Evans, uh, you know, a built winner that really just focused on that, on winning and, and competing and everything else. And he's the one that got me into coaching. Um, I was scheduled to go back to Utah, to my hometown, to the high school there. Uh, he asked me to stay on as a graduate assistant, and I fell in love with it. I just loved the competition, um, the opportunity to work with young men in such vital times of their lives when they're making decisions. 
and everything else. I went to University of Texas Brownsville after my GA job. Um, and so I was there and, and I worked with what the NAIA calls the Champions of Character program. Um, and so they have their core values, but you do some public speaking, you do some different things like that. So that's kind of where there's a guy named Bruce Brown um, that I went to his training for the, the Champions of Character program. And, and he's spoken at the ABCA before and done different things. That was kind of my first introduction. Um, and I'm a big Ken Revisa fan. I, I, read his, I read his book at Bellevue, um, Heads Up Baseball. And so I kind of had that. And then the speaking element and teaching element kind of came with Bruce Brown. And I got to Salt Lake Community College um, and had the opportunity to teach a program called No Greater Heroes. And it was all of our freshman student athletes. Um, and it's built off Tony Robbins' Date with Destiny program. So it has a lot of, you know, Tony Robbins. There's a book called Notes from a Friend. It's built off kind of his program and things. But over the years, I taught it for 11 years. And over the years, we added more and more sports psychology elements to it. We, we just really studied the mind and mental skills and what helps athletes perform at a high level, but also mental health off the field. Um, and especially with COVID and things, it's something that we're incorporating more in our program. It's just that mental health aspect of life. Um, obviously, it's going to help in sport, but just trying to help people off. And so, you know, the, the No Greater Heroes program, um, one of the big mantras we had was get comfortable being uncomfortable. Mm. Um, so we'd put kids through crazy things. We did board breaking. We did juggling. We did singing. We did dancing. Um, anything that you could do, because some people are really comfortable doing one thing, but they're uncomfortable doing something else. And so you have to break through have that mental breakthrough for different people in different ways. Some people can stand up and sing, ask them to dance. And it's like, no shot. Um, <laughs> yeah. Other people will do something physically, but they won't do something that puts them out of their realm, you know, whether that's public speaking or singing. And so, you know, just trying to break through molds for people. Um, we have, we all have learned helplessness, right? We set limiting beliefs for ourselves. And so we really in that class tried to break through those. Um, it's the same thing in sport, just trying to get guys over the hump to really believe in themselves. Because at the end of the day, to us, that's the biggest thing is, is personal belief, you know, that belief in oneself. Um, so that brought me, you know, in, at Salt Lake, I was coaching baseball, I was teaching. Um, those were kind of working together because it was all student athletes. Um, but, you know, the coaching piece is what I wanted. And that brought me here to Montana State Billings. So I brought all those experiences with me. Um, we're implementing those within our program and kind of doing some different things with the mental game and mental skills, but, you know, just the overall picture, it's still a baseball program. You're trying to develop athletes on the field as well. Oof, I love it. I love it. And I love the background too of the no greater heroes and just implementing the leadership philosophy and, and kind of how it evolved too. Um, it, it's so fun to hear the board breaking. Like, I just want to yeah. see a bunch of, of young dudes and, and girls just going through and breaking boards. And like, I think even when we talked off air, it was like something that Tony Robbins does at his uh, big old event. The date with destiny is like put your limiting beliefs on the board and then just break them like it's over with boom done with which is pretty cool how do you implement the mental skills now that you've learned and that you've continued to grow in with your current athletes at billings so the acronym that i use to teach our mental skills is something i call breathe air mm -hmm. right um everybody talks about breathing we want to incorporate that a little bit more so we do a lot of visualization, meditation, breathing stuff within practice. Um, but the Breathe Air acronym, the AIR stands for Acknowledge, Interrupt, and Replace. And so the acknowledge is everything. I mean, it's all about self-awareness, right? So being able to label my feelings. You, you go to Ken Revisa, Brian Kane, it's red light, yellow light, green light. Like recognize when I'm in a green light. You go to Michael Gervais, it's negative mind, positive mind, and flow. We're all trying to get to flow, but Ken Revisa talks about how that's kind of overrated because that's not where we play typically. And so it's understanding kind of that neutral mind or positive mind that I'm not negative because we can't go from negative to flow. We want to get to that neutral mind or that positive mind because then I can go in and out of flow. And that's where I'm going to perform at the highest level um, is when I have that personal belief, that self-awareness that when it hits the fan, because it will hit the fan mm -hmm. at some point, that I have a way to interrupt that. So I can label my feelings that, hey, you know, either I'm too intense, I need to dial it back, or I've lost focus and I need to refocus. Um, but that's the interrupt piece. And that's where the breathe comes in because, um, 
you know, what we teach is physiology plus focus equals state of mind. Um, you can't have one without the other. You know, it's just like one of our, our core values is um, positive energy. Well, you can be positive and really suck. Like just because you're positive doesn't mean you're going to be good. Well, you can have high energy and, and not be very good either if it's not channeled in the right direction. Right. You can be a really hard worker and work on the wrong things and not be good. But we want to take both of those, our physiology, what we're actually physically working on, whether that's mental skills, your swing, your pitching mechanic, your pitch development, um, and put it with that positive mind. So our focus, our focus is an optimistic solution, solution oriented focus um, so that we can achieve and that it keeps us in that positive mind. So we have that growth mindset to keep growing. Um, but you know, the breathe air. So having physical ways to interrupt that, whether that's stepping off and using your foot to clean the rubber, whether it's a deep breath, looking at your bat or looking at the foul pole, having some of those triggers to kind of reset us, but have a physical movement as well as a proactive thought. And that's the replace part, right? So the replace is positive self-talk or proactive thoughts. Um, sometimes they aren't always going to be as positive, but having a, a thought that gets me back to that proactive mindset. And so I can acknowledge that, you know, if you look at the mechanics of it, um, in the swing, I might acknowledge that I'm pulling off, but if I stay in that acknowledged phase, I just keep thinking about pulling off and I don't have a proactive thought to replace it with. So I have to have whatever that trigger is for that guy. Maybe it's staying stacked and square. Maybe it's holding my line. Maybe it's inside on top. And so for each individual, those are gonna be different but it's, it's taking us from that subtractive, negative mind into a proactive, positive mindset. And so we work on that with everything we do. You know, if, if I ask a guy, if he throws a pitch, I'm like, hey, what do you feel? And he says, well, I'm pulling off. Okay, what's the proactive thought to replace that? And some guys might say, stay over their toes. Other guys might say, pull my lead arm down. Other guys might say, keep my lower half in line. And they're all saying the same thing, but it's their proactive thought that's going to get them back in line. And that's the same thing in life, like a can-do mindset. Mm. If I go to public and speak and I tell myself I can't and that I'm scared and everything else, that's what I'm focused on, I'll probably go flop compared to that I can do this mindset. So we teach guys to wake up with a can-do mindset and just go through their day and think about all the things they can do. Um, you know, and that's, we implement that, I mean, right in BP, right in bullpens, but we also do, you know, a 10 to 15 minute visualization at the beginning of practice that we walk through some affirmations, um, and just kind of go through that breathing air process and trying to train them proactive thoughts and moving forward. So it's, it's kind of all encompassed within the program, but the acronym, like the basic, I guess, process is that breathe air that comes back to like that either negative, positive to flow, or, you know, red, yellow, and green light type idea as well. Mm. It's so good. I love the, and then Ray, I'll kick it off to you, but I like the breathe air because it symbolizes, hey, let's take a deep breath to reset, like you said, replace. And then it gives them that physical action with some sort of like a verbal cue that they can use to boom. And then the, the fact that everybody's different, you know, like you were saying, some guys are over the toes, some are in line, some are just something totally different. And we had a player who used to sing himself songs in his head yep. and it helped him just reset. And that was his deal. And when you mentioned earlier, some guys are scared or afraid to sing, but they can dance. I'm terrible at both, right? So I'm nervous to do that, but you give me like a push-up contest or something, I'm having fun, right? But yep. I can go speak, but I don't want to sing in front of you. So it's just this total different thing. I love the the differences between everyone. What do you got, Ray? Yeah, coach, I was going to ask, you talked a lot about like challenging that comfort, especially like even off the field, but how are you guys doing that on the field? Uh, I've seen different ways where dudes are running sprints, be, you know, in between pitches and bullpens, you know, things to shake it up and, and really challenge the stressors. But what are you guys doing specifically offense or pitching really? So the development piece on that, um, number one, like I ask our guys a lot and now they know the answer. So it's easy, but you know, is baseball a game of failure? And I personally don't think it is. I think people focus on the failure, but it's a game of success or we wouldn't play. Like, if you think about pitchers, I mean, they're going to have more success than they fell or they aren't very good. You think about a team, you should succeed more than you fell or you aren't very good. But everybody wants to focus on the failure piece. So we put them in failure drills, especially early in the week. 
And so we want like our Tuesday practice to be their most difficult, challenging mental day. And then it gets a little lighter as we approach game day. On game day, we want it to be the player's day that they can celebrate success. Now they're gonna fail in that, so we have to train the failure piece early in the week so that by the time you get to Saturday, you can handle that, right? So we do a lot of machine BP, um, fastball machines, we train velocity, uh, we'll do slider machines. Sometimes we'll hook them both up and they don't know which one you're gonna drop the ball in. And so, you know, it, it's frustration type drills, um, whether that's angle toss or, you know, different things. Um, just within it, like still training the basic swing mechanic and focusing on the process over the outcome, but that it's going to be challenging and hard. Whether that's putting a guy a little bit closer in BP, throwing the ball harder, doing two strike drills, um, kind of building that up throughout the week to where, by the time you get to game day, it's just a feel-good BP and go compete. Um, for our pitching staff, it's the same thing. Competition bullpens where maybe they're competing against the guy on the mound next to them, right? So they have 36 pitches that are sequenced out, and you take the percentage of who won that. Um, and then we scrimmage a lot. Like, we like live hitters. There has to be the skill work development piece. But the best feedback to me for pitching especially, but for hitters too, is can you hit a live pitch? Or what does the hitter tell you when I throw a pitch? Like you might think your pitch is really nasty and dirty and everything else, but if guys can spit on it or guys take good swings at it all the time, it's really not that good yeah. like at the end of the day. Yeah. Right. So, you know, so there's all those different components and then balancing that out, um, you know, from a defensive standpoint, um, the way we kind of grade out things, the best thing that we can do is like the ball coming live off an actual hitter. So live game reps is the best defensive work. Well, the next best is batting practice because it's coming off a live hitter, but not quite live. The next best is the fungo. The next best is the machine. The next best is rolled work. Well, they each have their place, but if you're doing more like rolled controlled work, then you are actual like ball coming off a live hitter. You're not learning to read the angle of the bat. You're not learning to read game scenarios. And so it's building your practice plan throughout the week that they get all of those, but with the focus on like a fungo or a bat to where they actually have to read the angle of the ball off the bat. Um, one of my favorites is what I call a two-ball drill. I put a coach on each foul line. And so if it's a right-hander, the guy from first base is thrown into their front hip and they hit it and then you're playing a scrimmage. It goes really fast. Outfielders get worn out because obviously on a front toss, you can drive the baseball pretty easy or a side toss, I guess it is. Um, but it does a couple of things offensively guys that drop their barrel or like spin off the zone, they'll flare things and it just screws them up. It gets you connected inside the baseball to where you have to be in line to hit. So offensively, I love it. You get to run the base bases a lot, but defensively guys are filling live baseballs. You know, it's not off a pitch, but you still have to read the barrel. You know, some guys have more juice than others. So you have to play defensive positioning some guys get around it more. And so you're actually seeing live swings and how it comes off from a live bat. So defensively, I feel like we get a lot better in those situations. We just have to be careful with the legs. That one wears guys out because they're running so much and everything. But we do that about once a week, once every other week um, within it, just depending on where we're at with our strength schedule and how much we run. We, we called that the Canada drill. We didn't run them, but we would just do that with infielders. Uh, we got this from Jimmy Van Ostrand when he was with team Canada and uh, you know, same deal setting up coaches for the side toss and infielders are getting those live reps and yeah. outfielders are just trying to, to burn dudes. It's, it's awesome. And then you're, you're talking velo machine and two strike Oof. bat. Like you're speaking our language here. I know coach by is not super psyched on a machine day, but um, yeah, I think you're, <laughs> As you're a all hitter, on. Is. <laughs> <laughs> right on. No, as, as a hitter, like in those, and I just tell them these are frustration days, you know, you can either give up and quit or you can figure it out, you know, and, and some of the best hitters I've had over the last 10 years, like they hate the big boy. Like that's what we call the hack. Yeah. Big hack. <laughs> you want to pull it out. Cause we do a lot of hack junior work and then we'll nice. pull out the big hack and like some guys will just quit and they're good hitters. You know, and, and you have to get them to buy in the, hey, if you can figure this guy out, and they're like, well, it doesn't move the same all the time. I'm like, oh, on game day, it's going to move the same all the time? <laughs> like, you're complaining because it's a machine and it's not perfect. And I go, you know, we'll do a scrimmage where the, the, the little bit tighter or smaller baseball actually sinks more. 
And so I've learned like on that machine, like I'll keep certain balls for two strikes. Uh-huh. You know, like, I'm, I mean, I'm basically a fastball, but I'm still pitching to guys with the different type of seams and stuff. So we use different baseballs in it. It's still real baseballs, but the higher seam ride more, the flatter seam kind of stay the little bit smaller ball, like really sinks. So now you start pitching to guys and it's, I mean, it's tough to hit, you know, and it's mid to upper eighties with sink and ride and everything else. And I'm like, so game day, you're going to tell this guy, Hey, you can't throw me your sinker, <laughs> you know? And so we like doing that piece and then like coaching up the mental part when they're going the, Hey, it's a get to not have to mindset, you know, every crisis, there's a solution or you can just live in crisis mode. And so you just can keep working to build that mindset and no excuses, just do the work, just kind of keep them moving forward in that mindset. I love the creativity. And uh, as a player, I wasn't a big fan of the velo. Obviously, I don't think any <laughs> well, of us I hated were. it as a player. Um, yeah. <laughs> as a coach, it's one of my favorite things to watch because I get to see people get mentally defeated right away, even before they step in the box. I'm sure you see that too, coach, where they're just like like nervous, changing their oh, swing yeah. up, doing all these different things. It's like, dude, same game, same opportunity. Yes, this is really challenging. I love the fact that the different balls are moving different ways, so it's realistic, and and you'll perform better. We did something with uh, when we were with the Diamondbacks. We had uh, Coach Shelly Duncan, and he was just crazy out, out of the wazoo and did things way different, and I love the creativity, and that's where I want to go into next is the creativity, and he would do the Robinson Cano drill with that uh, – that net on the opposite side of the plate. So we put it right on the outside corner. He put the big old hack attack out there and just crank it to like 95. And he's like, you guys can't hit fastballs. We're going to learn how to get around on a fastball today. And we're hitting balls off the net. It's bouncing in our face. We're getting racked, but you figure it out. And after a couple of weeks, you start to get your timing down and you see the practice start to pay off in the games, which I love. Um, so I love the creativity with some of the drills you're doing just to get that challenge and that mental edge form. Um, my next question though, coach, is how do you get 18 to 22, now maybe 23, 24 year old young dudes who are trying to figure it out, right? They're at this really uh, crucial point in their life where they can go a bunch of different directions. How do you get them to buy in to the mental game when you can't always see the results like you do with maybe some physical adjustments out there on the field? You know, that's the great question, man. I mean, that's, that's the challenge we all have. Um, you know, repetition's the mother of all skill. Mm. And so the more you repeat anything, I mean, you can show them the scientific studies of mindfulness. Um, some guys really buy into that. Other guys don't. Um, I have a current player. So we have a mental skills coach that works with us as well. And he did a self-awareness. Um, you know, he, he meets with our guys, um, he was talking about self-awareness. One of the things he said was throw strikes. And I heard from some other players that this particular pitcher really checked out. And so I talked with him and he goes, dude, you can't tell me to throw strikes. That's when I blow up and I lose it and everything else. And I go, so if somebody else throws strikes from the stands and I just have to pull you. He goes, well, no. And I go, no, that's what you just told me. If anyone says throw strikes, then you just lose it mentally. And so I've just got to pull you. If I accidentally say it, if I, one of your teammates then we'll just pull you from now on. He goes, well, that's not what I'm saying. I go, okay, then let's look at the good. What else did he teach in that class? He goes, I have no idea. I go, so you shut off mentally. And I go, this is the acknowledge, interrupt, replace. You're really good at acknowledging the fact that certain triggers are going to set you off, but you're not good at interrupting and replacing to be able to stay on the mound. And I go, this is the same thing. You're a guy once you walk someone, we know you're going to walk five, six, seven, eight, nine guys. When you're pitching well, you can really roll. But once adversity hits, we know we just need to get a guy hot. And let's go. Mm. I go, that's the hump we got to get over. And so we talked about that within like a classroom setting of him shutting off. Instead of looking at how can I benefit from this? What good is it? And so he actually, from that conversation, has asked me one-on-one with our sports psych guy, to be able to kind of start bridge that gap and learn how he can interrupt and replace. And he's trying to do different things with it. And so I think it's just, you know, number one, we, we ask guys to buy into what we're doing. Um, and then we just teach and try to show the benefits of it. And it clicks for some guys and it doesn't for others. But again, that's where I think you have a template, you know, and we have our, our swing template, we have our pitching template. 
But within any of that, those things like breathe air, there's individual responses to each one of those. We have a, a collective team philosophy, but there's more than one way to skin the cat. Um, you know, I, I teach hitting the three points. The sequencing is balance with a positive move and your hands back. Then close the gap in line. Then inside and on top so we can be connected through the baseball, right? Well, within that, there's a lot of different ways that you can teach that. And those are the basic premise. Get to a good launch position and get through the baseball, right? Mm -hmm. Everybody teaches that. Well, now individually, different things are going to click for different guys. And I think the mental skills is the same way. Our guys really like when we lay them down and let them breathe. And so that's something we've done as a team. We've done it more. Um, you know, years ago, I used to do it just once a week. And our guys would always ask for it. And I used it as kind of a reward. Like if you worked really hard in our speed development or something, then I'd, then I'd let you lay down and breathe. You know, and I, I, I walk them through it. So I do some verbal stuff with it. Um, but now we do it, you know, daily because guys have asked for it and I've seen the need for it. Some of them don't know they need it, but they need it. Right. And so then we just talk about how they feel and everything else. And, you know, for some guys that don't really buy into it, I say, just try it. Like just be a good teammate and lay there for 10 minutes then. Mm. Like, and they're still getting benefits. The more they buy in, the more they'll get. But then I think it's coaching individuals too. Right. So some guys really jump on board. Some guys don't, say they buy into the mental game, but then depending on how you're talking, they really do. Right. Some guys say, I don't believe in that mental skill stuff. Like let's walk through your routine on deck. Well, you take a deep breath, right? You do X, Y, and Z, like these stretches, whatever. Then what do you do before you get in the box? You're a guy that really gets in and cleans your box and everything else. Then make sure that this and you measure up. Well, those are mental skills because repetition is the mother of all skill, but we don't call them mental skills. We call it hitting. And so it's pointing some of that out too. So there's not the fear or the stigma. And that's one reason why, like I do some group work with our um, performance coach so that we can remove the stigma. So if I go talk to somebody about this, it's not because I'm screwed up. It's because I'm trying to get better. And that's one place that we encourage guys is, you know, you're a person first, you're a student second, you're an athlete third. Well, to become the best person you can, you have to be able to control your mind and your tongue, how you speak, how you think. So those skills will help you be a more consistent student, a more consistent player. If I'm out of control as a player, whether that's mentally or physically, I'm not good. And so we teach that baseball is a ground sport. It's a balanced sport. It's a directional sport. Well, part of that direction is understanding our mind and what direction we're moving from a mental side as well. And that's where we just try to create the buy-in is we just, it's a part of who we are. It's a part of what we do. Um, we bring it up in the recruiting process. So if guys don't want to be a part of it, hopefully they don't come here. Um, you know, we want guys that want to be here, that want to buy into the person first, that want to buy into the student first, that want to excel and compete at a high level from the baseball side. Um, but that's kind of how we try to create the buy-in. And then you work individually with dudes. Sometimes you just need the, the they're teachable moments almost, right? And the same thing, yeah. with, especially with hitters, you know, like if you're talking swing, but mental too, like they're, they're not going to change and, and the real fix isn't going to happen until they are ready to come to the light and, and talk themselves, you know? So right. um, I think you're, I think you're right up that alley. Um, I was going to ask you kind of going back a little further in your career, what, what are some things, maybe even you talking to a younger version of you, um, you know, some things that you've learned along the way that's really helped you become the coach you are? Um, I think growth mindset's one, like not getting so stubborn. Like I think sometimes we become so stubborn that we get stupid, right? <laughs> mm, um, like and the way, the way the swing, like, you know, my major thing is hitting. I've, I actually got into college as a pitching coach. Um, that was my first full-time job. Um, I caught, and so... At Bellevue, he had me, he kind of did everything and I was just a GA and I just kind of, I was the only other full-time guy. So I kind of did everything. So I learned a ton, right? And I always tell baseball coaches, so talking to my younger self, um, don't be a pitching guy. Don't be a hitting guy. Don't be an info guy. Don't be a catching guy. Be a baseball coach. Because as a pitching coach, if I understand what the hitters are trying to do, I can become a better pitching coach. 
Now I might especially might be pitching, but be a baseball coach, understand the swing, understand how to teach it. Cause sometimes that might get you a job moving forward in your career. You know, one of the reasons I get asked to work certain camps is because they don't have to worry. I can go do the pitching session. I can do the infield session. I can do the catching session where some coaches can only do one. Right. And so I've worked really hard with a lot of different coaches. Some of that's from being a junior college guy, an NAI guy that had to, right. Cause you only had two coaches on staff. Um, but I recommend that like, even with my coaching staff now, my young guys, I'm like, stop saying you're a pitching guy, be a baseball coach. Like let's, let's help you develop because recruiting too, you got to understand it all, but you know, going through and trying to develop that within my coaching staff. But for me as a younger guy, like that's one thing. And then the stubborn part, like you have to be confident in what you teach too. And so there has to be a belief system in what you're teaching the growth mindset piece may have to change what you're teaching. If there's, I mean, there's proof in the pudding, right? If I'm teaching something that doesn't work and doesn't create wins, then I shouldn't be teaching it. And, you know, sometimes I would do things just because, well, Hey, we did this at Bellevue and it worked for him. Well, I've had to adapt and change some of those things. Um, so, you know, be flexible or be miserable. <laughs> what I tell the coaches, you know, yeah. especially with me, I'm, I'm a guy that'll kind of change on the fly, like even within practice sometimes. Um, but, you know, and I don't remember what year it was. I think it was 2014. No, 20, it would have been 2012. And I've taken this into every realm of coaching. So 2012, I used to be really anal that on game day, you had to agilitate at a certain time. You had to take IO. You had to take BP. You had to do certain things to be ready to go. I was really disciplined with it. And then we get to the postseason. We, we won our league. We won our tournament. Um, we're in the districts, and we're one game away from going to the World Series. Okay, we're, we're playing Western Nevada. They don't even have programming anymore, but they used to be loaded with dudes all the time. DJ Whittemore did a great job there. Yeah. Um, and we're playing, and we have their dude on the ropes. Like, bases loaded. We pushed a run across. Thunderstorm. And we have, like, a three-hour delay. It's at our field. Our turf wasn't good at the time. We had to do some cleanup. It used it had dirt cutouts. So we had to get that ready. And I was so sped up as a coach that it was like, hey, as soon as we can get this thing go, we're going to go. And just told our guys, like, let's go. And we didn't agilitate. We didn't catch play. We didn't do anything. It was like, game on, let's go. Pop up, roll over there out of the end. And they cruised. They end up beating us in the ninth inning. Um, they scored two in the ninth and ended up winning. It was still a great game, but I look back to that and there's certain things that you can control. And so I have 20 minutes a day that we agilitate and how we play catch. Like that 20 minutes I preach is the most important thing because it's the only thing we can control. Because you think about rain delays, everything else. So it has to be a mental reset for us because they always give you at least 20 minutes right? Mm. Before first pitch. They don't ever say, hey, five minutes and we're going. It's just not how baseball does it. And so I've tried to boil down to the only thing that we need on game day is 20 minutes. And a few years back, and we actually went to play. Um, we we're supposed to hit indoors against the host team. And we beat them the night before. And it was kind of heated. Our guys were popping off. And all of a sudden, they had a rental in their indoor facility to where we couldn't go in and hit. Oh. I don't know if it was gamesmanship. I don't know if it was miscommunication or whatever. But I told our guys, I go, we are going to show and go. And they're like, we don't show and go. We hit. And I go, screw it, man. They aren't letting us hit. I go, we have 20 minutes. We are going to show up 30 minutes before game time, be ready to go first pitch. And I go, and we're going to go light it up. We are going to go blow them out and just blow their doors off. And just, I kind of made it this whole you know, us against them. They were trying to screw us. So literally we pulled in 20 minutes before and one of my coaches even goes, Hey, there's a cage down there. Can I go front us? I said, no. I said, we're not hitting. Like this is a message to our team. We put up seven in the first and guys were talking about how screw them. Like take BP or whatever. Right. I never take so, again. But I, I go back to that story with guys because from a mental standpoint, do I have to take BP to perform? Well, some guys think they do. Right. Some guys would be like, I can't hit today. 
like we didn't take BP. Well, there's always 20 minutes you can control. And so let's look at what we can control, get really good at it. And then, you know, and that's, so that's mental game. That's me telling my younger self, like get over the three hour process and look at what really matters on game day. Look at what really matters. Be the calmest heartbeat and the clearest mind as AJ Hint says, right? Ooh, yes. But being able to take away everything, whether it's get umpires out of the mix, because at the end of the day, if they aren't calling it, me yelling at them doesn't change it. You know, I, I told I tell my teams, like, if you think I have to protect you with umpires, then you need to get better. That's what it boils down to, right? And there is a time and a place for me to interject, but it's not on every ball and strike. Just get better. Throw better pitches, you know, make him swing, make him call. Yeah. <laughs> but controlling what we can control. And so, you know, with my maturity as a coach, that would be it. But that'd be the thing I would tell my younger self, like develop as much as you can across the game of baseball and then look at the things that win games. And that's how you should build your practice plan and then look at what you can truly control. And that's your process. That's your energy. That's your effort. But I think sometimes we do drills and things just because they feel good, but doesn't win games. Like, and so I, I look at that and how I want to go through practice is what is the process that gets us to the outcome. And so just being better about that as a young coach um, in the developmental piece and just kind of going through it. And that's how I've gotten to where I am, like with the hitting, like my three points have been pretty consistent within the sequencing, how I teach some of that, how I go about it on a daily basis is different. Um, you know, and it's interesting because you have to evolve with the guys too. You know, exit below, you know, exit angle or launch angle, all of that didn't used to exist, you know. And so looking at teaching to that to be able to kind of create some of the new age things, spin rate and everything like that, you know, um, we, we talked the other day, I talked to our pitching staff and I had two or three guys come home and say, I never thought about it like that. I go, if you throw a slider below the zone, the bounces behind the plate, and then you throw a fastball on that same plane, that spin rate keeps it in the zone. So now that low strike, your spin rate worked. And I go, spin rate doesn't mean you have to pitch up. Spin rate just means the ball stays truer longer. Mm -hmm. I go, so even for a low pitch, they're like, holy cow. Yeah. You know, but if I just tell them to, you know, tunnel that, they don't always understand because a lot of our guys, once they see they have a high, high spin rate, they think they have to pitch up. Well, 87 with a high spin rate at mid thigh goes a long ways. Yeah. 87 with a high spin rate below the knees still gets pounded in the ground. And so it's understanding some of their terminology or the new metrics and being able to adapt to that as well, but adaptability, be flexible or be miserable as a coach, um, you know, cause you're going to deal with weather in this sport. You're going to have indoor outdoor practices, at least up North like us. Um, so be flexible or be miserable. And that's what I, I tell my young coaches, especially. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love to be flexible um, or be miserable. I'm using that one coach. I'm going to coin it. I'm going to, I'm going to use it as your term. I'm going to give you the credit. Well, <laughs> I've got to give the up. credit. I've got to give the credit on that one. Mary Kay, I'm call punk. Um, <laughs> we call her punk and she's, so I team taught with her at that no greater heroes at Salt Lake. She's the head coach at Weber state university now for softball. And if, okay. if there's anyone that I've learned the mental game from, it'd be her. I think they're like, I don't know. She's won like eight whack or a big sky championships there. Um, she played in the national championship three years in a row at Salt Lake Community College. But that was one of her coined phrases. That's where that comes from is, awesome. is punk or Mary Kay Amicon, um, head softball coach at Weber State. Um, she still does board breaks with her team. You know, we talked awesome. a lot about no greater heroes and the things we've learned there and how to apply them to sport and everything else. But um, it's teaching the process, you know, it's teaching the process and everything like that, you know, and so be flexible or be miserable comes from her. 
100%. So good. So good. Now we got to get her on the podcast. We, we got to get her spit plays. <laughs> oh, she's a spitfire. She's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go, man. That fires me up. I love new terms like that and just different terminology that it sticks for me, especially being visual and being able to see that. Um, I think my final question, Coach, and then I'll kick it to Ray for the game, is the recruiting process. Now, I got to play in Missoula, Montana, and we played in Billings a lot. I loved Billings. I thought it was a great town, a great city, and we had a nice hotel, so it worked out good for us. <laughs> and then that field, I mean, you get to play at the Reds place. Uh, I don't even know who it is. Mustangs, Mustangs. Yeah, um, it's Mustangs. They used to be a Reds affiliate. Now they're part of that independent Pioneer League, um, so they're no longer affiliated, but it's still the Billings Mustangs. Yep. Perfect. That field was unreal. We're like, man, this is, we go to Helena with, which has like, you're getting all sorts of diseases in that shower. And then you come over to Billings. It's like, you're going <laughs> to a spring training complex. They got Jumbotron. They got people in the outfield. It's a real life game. The seats are actually clean. It was amazing. Life, um, I'm just throwing shade at Helena. Sorry, Helena, but um, <laughs> it was so fun to watch that and being in Billings. I mean, for you coach now, especially with COVID and, and this might help some other coaches out there too, but dealing with COVID and the people that are coming back, or leaving all the uncertainty of do I have an extra three years or have no years left? What is it looking like down this process? Really, how do you approach the recruiting process? Do you look more JUCO, freshman guys? How do you kind of approach that with your staff? And um, what's your guys' game plan when you're going to recruit a player? Are you looking for character? Are you looking for a standout skill? Um, what is it that you're really focused on when in the recruiting process? Uh, character first. Um, character matters. And so that looks different for different guys, right? But for me, wherever your athletic ability is in that ceiling, you're only going to achieve that as much as your character will allow. And so mm. that's from a hard work standpoint. That's from off the field, everything else. So we, we define character as self-motivated, hard workers. Um, you know, guys that know they have to be a student first. I, I, watch so many times when we get the struggling student because at times we still do um but you put too many of them together they help each other fail you know is what it boils down to yeah. you surround them with a bunch of good character guys that guy's going to help them succeed too um but from a coaching standpoint we want to be baseball coaches not babysitters so you get too many of those and your assistants take all their time with these two guys trying to get them to pass class instead of becoming better baseball coaches you know and so character matters to me. Um, I want, you know, to develop an attitude of gratitude within our program, guys that believe in that piece. Um, we, we try, you know, it's hard from a division two standpoint, our budgets, we can't go watch a guy play six times. So we have to talk to different people. I like to talk to as many people that know the kid as possible, but we want solution oriented people. That optimism piece is huge for us. You know, that the, they believe in themselves, that, they carry themselves like champions. All those pieces that you want to see in a team anyway is who you want to recruit. Um, that they bring positive energy, that they're going to have work ethic, that they want to do the right thing. Um, and then the third piece is that they're servant leaders. We teach servant leadership within our program. Um, you know, our, our seniors are expected to clean the dugout on game day. Like they pick things up and go. We assign out all the equipment. Um, early in the year, the seniors have it all. By the end of the year, it's going to be the freshman turn. But it's the seniors setting that example. We have upperclassmen, juniors, and seniors that are assigned to the weight room that at the end of the day, they make sure that it's clean before we dismiss anyone. Um, you know, and so it's the, the servant leadership piece. And if people come in already believing in those like-minded philosophies, it makes it a lot easier. And you can find that out by talking to them on recruiting visits, watching how they treat their teammates in the dugout, listening to how they talk about their coaches, listening to how they talk about their parents and their family. And so within that recruiting element, um, we do character matters. We want the right guys. We want grinders and dirt bags and guys that are going to flourish in a small town and everything else. So you recruit to the university that you're at. You recruit to your baseball philosophy. You recruit to, you know, who you are as people. Um, so all of those things play into it. The COVID piece sucks. Um, <laughs> yeah. give, giving guys a year back, when I was first asked about it from our administration, not that we were the ones that made the decision, right? 
But I said, this is a five-year decision. I go, if we let our seniors come back, that's going to affect us for five years because that the freshmen that are coming in, it's going to be harder to play, everything else. I just try to be really open and honest in my communication with our current players. Um, where are you really at? You're going to graduate at this time, know where they're at academically. What's your goal? Um, you know, if, if we don't have a master's program for a graduate, then grad, grad transfer is an opportunity for them. And I don't want to hold them back from that. You know, I just, I don't, I think they need to be able to pursue life. Do I want them back? Will I give them their scholarship? If I tried to increase some of those to keep them, but at the end of the day, do I still open it up for them to go find the best opportunity? Absolutely. Um, we want guys that want to be here. And if it doesn't make sense academically, then why are they here? You know? And so, but going through it, I mean, we have some juniors eligibility wise, they're seniors. I have a fifth year sophomore, um, you know, right now, like a guy that's been in school for five years with medical hardships and everything else that has sophomore eligibility. So I don't know, is he going to play one year, two years, three years? We'll see. We're already looking at grad studies programs that would benefit him or double majors. Um, you know, eventually you run out of classes and so it gets hard, but we just try to be really open and honest in our communication with the guys in our program and outside of our program. Um, I don't like to over recruit, but you still have to have depth. So we aren't a program that wants the 78, 80 number. Um, you know, we travel 30, so we're going to be between 30 and 40 guys. Um, you know, we want to get the right person that can be a student that can perform on the field. And so COVID plays into that, and it's hard for, you know, because rosters are so overloaded. But you look at most of the top D2s, they have a lot of JUCO and D1 bounce back guys. It's just what it is, you know, from a talent standpoint. Um if you line up three guys and tell me they're all the same character, ability, GPA, then I would take the freshman because I'll have them for four years. But if the junior college player's already proven and developed, I'll take him. If the D1 guy has more talent and ability and still a good student, then I'll take him. And so it really comes down to each individual, you know, each individual person, but also the need of the year. So we're open to all three you're going to end up with a lot of JUCO and bounce back guys just to compete at the highest level. Cause a lot of those freshmen that are good enough are playing division one baseball. Right. And so it's kind of finding that right niche with each guy. I love that. It's, I'm always curious to just hear kind of what the philosophy is in different schools, different divisions, different areas of the country. I know for you guys, there's some snow involved, right? And you guys get inside yeah. and get really creative with your practice plans too, which is amazing. But coach, I love the philosophy, man. I love how you guys approach things and, and I love the mindset behind it. Um, and just kind of everything that you guys are doing there at MSU. It's been really cool to hear that, man. Um, coach Ray, I'll kick it off to you, man, for the game. We didn't even, yeah. we didn't even tell you about the game, Coach. Wow. Yeah, it's my fault. Wow. I, didn't even, I didn't even warn you about the game. I'll <laughs> yeah. let Coach Ray uh, uh, dive into what the game is. Yeah, yeah pretty easy on you. It's going to be <laughs> on it or off it. Basically, I'm going to give you a list of like 10 rapid fire um, random things, and you're going to say you're either on it, uh, you're for it, or you're off it. It's not really your thing. And then just a quick one sentence as to why. Sound good? All so right. you just give me one at a time? I'm going to go one at a time, and okay. then you just you just give us your quick opinion on it, and then we'll move on to the next one. Okay. Uh, ice hockey. I'm on it, dude. I coach I, I coach 10U with my son. I'm all over it. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. That's, yeah. that's awesome. Uh, Halloween. Halloween, I'm on it, man. I, my wife hates it because of all the candy and the sugar rush, but <laughs> I tell my kids as long as they run, they can get as much as they want, so they run from house to house. That's awesome. <laughs> uh, Carrie Underwood. I'd probably say off, but I don't really know her music. I mean, I don't have anything against her, but I'm not like, a super music guy. Uh, Disney movies. On it. I've got young kids. You know, my daughter's five, and so we get a lot of Disney. Love it. Uh, Harley Motorcycles. I'm off it. I, I don't ride motorcycles. I'm good at other people doing it. That's not my gig. Swimming. I'm on it. I love being in the pool, you know, especially when it's warm out. Yeah. Uh, Starbucks? I'm off it. I don't drink coffee, so I, mean, I, you know, from my religious preference, I don't drink coffee and alcohol and things, so I'm off, off of Starbucks. They'd lose money if they were trying to get it from me. <laughs> there you go. Uh, Star Wars? 
Yeah, kind of in between. I'd probably say half it. The new Mandalorian's pretty cool, though. Is it? Like, I gotta I check it out. Ooh, we gotta look at it. We gotta check it out. Uh, ACDC. Ooh, I'm all over it. <laughs> you shook me all night long with my karaoke jam in college. Oh, I love Ooh. it. It was like 10 years ago, right? <laughs> well, probably like double that. There you go. Uh, last one, uh, pretty recent one. The Mariners making the postseason. I follow players more than teams. Um, there's a lot of Seattle fans in Billings, though. So really? I'm on it for that because there's an easy fr- flight from Billings to Seattle. So that's where a lot of people go to watch their baseball. So I'm on very nice you dominated 10 in and out real quick uh, how many uh how many kids do you have i we have four um our oldest daughter is 11 and then we're on the two-year plan i got married when i was 30 so my wife wanted to get them here so i could still throw it to them but <laughs> 11 nice. 9 7 and 5 look at that so one, two one boys got a basketball team. girls on the book yeah. so i've got a hockey player and a soccer player a basketball player and my boys play baseball that's awesome. And you're, you're coaching leadership, you're coaching ice hockey in your free time, like all of it. That's awesome. Yeah, what I'm getting on the ice. I, I can barely skate, but I get on the <laughs> ice. What position is your son? Uh, at this age, they still kind of play everything. Yeah. He's more defensive-minded, so he likes to shadow the puck and kind of play that way. He's a really gifted skater. He's worked hard at it. Yeah. Um, he's a really good skater, but he likes the defensive end more. You gotta be so able to we'll skate backwards. Yeah, that's Game. awesome. That's not my deal. That's hard. <laughs> it's not mine either. I actually, because of the sports psychology stuff, there's a guy named Jeremy Weiss that runs Weiss Tech Hockey. It's an online coaching coaches how to coach uh, hockey deal. Ooh. And my son and his son, when I lived in Utah, were best buddies. And so my son wanted to play, and he's like, "Dude, you get how to coach. You get how to motivate. Like, I need you on the ice." I, I was his experiment, right? So he would teach me the technical side, but I'd really work more on like the motivation, get get it out of kids, like get them pumped up and energized. And so it's led into all this hockey coaching stuff. I could like my first night on the ice, I fell at practice and all the wives <laughs> were like laughing and just hooting and hollering, you know? Yeah. And so the kids, like I still, I have kids now that figure out I can't do the drills that I'm teaching them. So I was be like, Hey coach, will you demonstrate this for us? Yeah. Like, absolutely not. You know what we're trying to do here? Go, yep. you know, but I can get them going. I just, I physically, I guess I need to have a better growth mindset. Right. But That's physically right. I'm not gifted enough on ice skates right now. I I'll say yet. That's like a very there powerful. Yeah. I, like it. I like it. But I, I need to become more gifted on, on ice skates to be able to do the things I'm even teaching to these younger dudes that can just skate circles around me. So, but it all comes back to like the mental skills, the coaching, the philosophy of inspiring and elevating those around you. Mm. And do attitude, wake up with it every day. Exactly. So good. So good. Dr. Craig Manning, the can do attitude. Dr. Craig Manning from BYU. He worked with the Bucks this last year. He's worked with a lot of NBA teams. That's where a lot of that can do attitude stuff comes from. I've heard it in different ways. I really like the way he describes it. But another, I'll, I, I just keep dropping names of my favorite guys. This is perfect. Uh, We're writing them down. <laughs> We're writing them down. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Coach, thank you so much. This has been awesome. Like your knowledge and, and wealth base of, of things you're teaching kids is is unbelievable and i mean we were reading things that you were going out to elementary schools and doing the same thing just helping people and 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 like you said at the start really pushing them to be better people and uh maintain that ability to cope right life's hard and uh, everybody's going through things so um for me i can't thank you enough bye did you have anything to wrap up with coach before we get him out of here no, it's amazing. The, the thing that I love is seeing how the mental skill and the inspiration leads to all sports. So I didn't even know that your son was playing hockey. So that's pretty cool. And then you got the soccer, you got other sports, but it all ties into the same thing and helping people help people. And so we're extremely blessed and grateful coach. It's amazing to have guys like you on here and, and just in our game, being able to grow this game in the right direction and create amazing young men who are going out to be leaders in our world. So um, we need guys like you. We need coaches like you. We need men and women like you, man. So we are thankful for you to, to pop on the show, man. And anything we can do to help from afar, however it works, we're always here for you guys and we're pulling for you this year too. No, I appreciate what you guys are doing too. I think it's important for, you know, kids to understand it and learn and grow too. So anything we can do to continue to help people is what we're all about.
Right on, Coach. Well, thank you so much. To let Punk know we're going to be hitting her up. Uh, we, yes, we will, I will reach for out. sure. Awesome. Well, yes. thank you so much. We hope you have a great day. If you need anything from us, please reach out. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All Thanks, the best. Coach. Take care. All right. Uh, welcome back. That was really cool. Uh, we literally just got off the, the Zoom or the phone uh, with Coach Waddups. And what a great dude, man. Like, I, ten. if I could play for that guy, I would do it any day of the week. You know, like they, that guy is, is number one, super big on the, the mindset and the leadership training. He's he's had a great background teaching all different ages of that. Uh, clearly a man of faith and, and family. And then on top of that, he's super knowledgeable about the game. Uh, what did you think about the interview? So overall, 10 out of 10, right? He's such a good dude. Uh, I love the philosophy. And then, as you said, hey, I could play for him. His hitting philosophy and how they hit consistently, uh, they, they rake. So if you're a hitter, look into MSU Billings, man. You got a good opportunity there to go swing the bat. Uh, I love the leadership aspect, man. I love what he's doing for kids. I love how he's using that in different realms. He talked a little bit about his kids playing hockey and how he's using his inspiration and, and leadership, mental skill tactics in hockey, too, that he learned from baseball that goes across all sports. So it just shows how versatile this is. We're all helping people uh, be better people, man. And that's the beauty of this game. And he's doing great stuff for our community, especially the baseball community. And uh, just uplifting each other, man. That's really cool to watch. So big time. That was awesome. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, you dominated the interview. So uh, thank you again for your time. Uh, and we're really looking forward to the next time we get to work with you. And shoot, we might have to come out and watch Billings play uh, in the spring sometime. That'd be sweet. So uh, anyways, that's going to do it for us uh, and Champion School. Again, I am Ray McIntyre. This is BZB. Jump in the Project Sandlot Discord. Get in. Sign up, subscribe, hit the bell. <laughs>